0: What's up, everyone? Happy Monday. Welcome to Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is your one stop commercial and residential cleaning company based out of Calgary. They have a fantastic team who are ready to make your life simpler and easier by fulfilling all of your cleaning needs. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. You can find me, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at Klein, Hoping to have a uh, fun announcement for you guys coming out on there later today, actually. Um, so yeah, follow me on social media. Follow me, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show, Couch diary at yahoo.com. The music for the show provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent with X's where the A's would be. And find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh music. So, we got some Flames, and we got some NBA, and we'll close with a little bit of baseball, as it was a busy weekend in the world of sports. But we start today with the Calgary Flames, as they put the Vancouver Canucks season basically on ice, pardon the pun, with a victory over the weekend, and look, we, we I mean, Vladar gets the start, so you know we're fans of that. The thing that I like about this, and again, it's something that we've talked about with this Flames team over the last couple of weeks, is that killer instinct there is cuz they were a little bit sloppy against Seattle a little bit sloppy uh, against Vegas they the, the teams that they haven't really had to get up for they haven't and it worked against Seattle it really didn't work against Vegas and this was a desperate Vancouver Canucks team and i thought the big takeaway from this game is that there was uh, a desperate uh, desperation sorry that was matched that you just you you love to see it from a, a Flames perspective. Are you going to get three assists a game from Chris Tanev going forward? I'm gonna take the under on that. I feel pretty comfortable. But I think the biggest development from this game is the play of Dylan Dubé, and not a lot of talk around. I guess there's been some, um, but especially over the last little bit about Dylan Dubé, and I, I don't think anyone's gonna look at this season and go, "Oh yeah, this is this has gone exactly how he would have wanted it to go." But I do. Think like you look at the numbers now, and admittedly, I'm surprised as I pull them up. I, the way some of the talk around Dube was at the beginning of the year, I thought this dude is hanging around like five goals. He's got 16. And if he can find another level in a a way that, quite frankly, I think he can, then that makes this team again that much more dangerous. And it's something we've talked about all season long the depth scoring on this team. And now they are finding it from everywhere. Like I said, Tanov has three assists last night, and that top line is always going to be there. We have seen two thirds of that top line struggle in the postseason. And if they can, if that happens, then A, you have a very good second line, and a pretty strong third line that can help with that. And if Dylan Dubé can be part of the solution, that really, really makes this Calgary Flames team, again, just that much more difficult to defend. And it's a team that we already thought was very difficult to defend. And so Dylan Dubé, if he can take another step, again, I'm surprised 16 is a little bit higher than than I thought. It's, I don't want to, I don't want to do this too hard, but it is... A little bit more indictment on Sean Monahan that, oh, hey, Dubé has found a bit of a stride now too, huh? Huh. So we got Goudreau who's played fine without him, and now Dubé who's... like Look, I think Monahan's a fine player. I just, I really don't see the fit with the Flames anymore. And I get the injury, it's going to be a difficult time to trade him, but I think that has to be high on the agenda for the Flames as that is a whole lot of money for someone who is uh, not providing that same kind of value for this team Anymore from a Calgary perspective, and obviously there's a lot of contract things that they need to get figured out going into the offseason. So now, how do you handle the last week? It's three games on the road, um, at Nashville, at Minnesota, at Winnipeg. I personally, and I haven't seen the line stuff come out tonight, checks his phone very quickly one more time um, to see if there is anything that I've missed. It'll probably come out now during the show, which is fantastic, I would go Markstrom tonight, and then I would fly him back to Calgary. You Don't even worry about coming to to, to Winnipeg. Don't worry about heading out to Minnesota, dude. Like, just come, enjoy Smashville. You know what? If you want to stay a night or two and have some fun, by all means. But then you go back to Calgary and just sit in a sauna for a few days. Um, and just, obviously, don't literally do that, because that would be a bit of an issue. But just relax chill, I, I don't know if I go, like, the full time without starting him, because I, I think there is, at some point there's diminishing returns with the whole rest versus rust thing, I think that would be a little ridiculous, so I, I, start him tonight, let him relax, let him chill, Um go Vladar on Thursday, go Wolf on the Friday, just to get the kid into a game, and have everyone be ready for the start of the postseason Uh, you guys know where I'm at in terms of what I would do with the starting lineup I would have all of my scratches be regulars for the last three games of this season just because those are I mean Nashville Minnesota Winnipeg are not kind teams to play against and I'm not saying anyone's going to go out there looking to injure you but I am saying give these guys a little bit of an extra breather after what has been an incredible season for the Canucks it was too little too late uh, the the turnaround they had under Bruce Boudreaux, I did not think this group was capable of. I thought getting rid of Travis Green was a mistake, and I still think Travis Green can be a very good coach somewhere. I think this Canucks team now is ready for a bit of an overhaul this offseason. I've said it before, I'll say it again. They are one of the most interesting teams going into, um, going into this offseason now. So, that is our look at the National Hockey League as we get ready for a... Postseason run, whatever that may be, for the Calgary Flames. The music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram, at Wasted Talent, with X's where the A's would be. Check out their producer on Instagram, at Tommy Fresh Music. Alright, you know how we do. Let's run through the NBA. We're not going to talk about Friday's games as much. Just kind of sprinkle some of this stuff in as it comes up. But uh, Saturday started with the Toronto Raptors against the Philadelphia 76ers. We were looking for Fred Van Vliet to step up. We were looking for Pascal Siakam to step up. Uh, Fred Van Vliet apparently stepped up a little bit too high as he strained his hip. He is out for this evening's crucial Game 5. And there is a Game 5 because a couple of other players stepped up. Specifically, Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. I I thought that that was... Finally, a game where Siakam was like, hey, we're just not going to lose tonight, guys. And he came in and did his thing. I thought Gary Trent Jr. kind of stepped up in the way that this team needed from a scoring perspective. And again, I'm going to continue to scream from the rooftops, OG Ananobi is having an incredible series and more people need to be talking about it. I, I think, again, he has come up with some massive shots. He doesn't mind getting physical with Joel Embiid, even though there is a remarkable size mismatch there. He's just like, yeah, I'll fight him. Don't care. Gonna battle with him. It's gonna be fine. So I, I have loved what I have seen from OG Ananobi. From a Philadelphia 76 er standpoint, you had a bit more of a tentative Joel Embiid because he has a torn ligament in his thumb. And not that he played poorly, it just wasn't the same dominant takeover that we have seen from Joel Embiid, and you could start to see this guy was getting a little bit frustrated with this game. that The Raptors, again, don't make that the key point of your game plan, but... If there happens to be a little bit of frustration in there for Embiid, then by all means, go for it. I like how they've defended Harden, and, and you can see the defense on some of these other guys starts to pick up a little bit more as Scotty Barnes is out on the floor. And he's not 100% Scotty Barnes and probably won't be at any point in this series, which could very realistically end tonight. But you, you see how the defense stepped up. Um, Maxi came back down to earth a little bit, and this is what we've talked about. It is fine for the, well, not fine, but it, it is survivable for the Raptors for Joel Embiid to be the best player in this series. Philadelphia cannot have the second best player in this series. Toronto has to have probably two through four if they want a hope of winning this one, but definitely two and three in terms of best players in this series. And you saw it, game game three, they do end up getting that after the, the heartbreaker that was uh, game three for the Raptors. So, it goes back to Philadelphia for Game 5 tonight. Dallas taking on the Utah Jazz, and look, uh, a bit of crow to be eaten, as I thought this Utah Jazz team was done. And we talked about how done-to-done-done I thought they were going into into this matchup, and credit them. Defensively, they played excellent. Um, And offensively, Mitchell was real quiet in that second half. I think he had five points. Now, he has one of the big plays of the game where he gets his own miss, gets an offensive rebound, and one. And that allows them to set up a game-winning bucket to Rudy Gobert after Powell misses all those free throws, which was heartbreaking for the Canadian kid. I like Powell a lot, but that was a real tough spot there that they they kind of needed him in. But defensively, Utah was back to being them. I still favor the Dallas Mavericks in this series, and will probably put money on the Mavericks in every game going forward in this series. But for, uh, for Dallas, the key in this, when Mitchell wasn't really producing, it was Bogdanovich to a certain degree, but Clarkson stepping up with the scoring. They needed someone to do that, and finally, someone in this series steps up for Utah, and it was Clarkson. That's the reason why this series is now all square, 2-2. For Dallas, Dinwiddie played pretty bad. Uh, Brunson wasn't very good. It was it was almost like, like when we were talking, okay, th- this team has won two games, and now you're adding Luka back into it? And... It's like they added Luca, but the other guys are like, oh, okay, well, we don't have to play as hard then. Like, they, they all just kind of took a step back. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the playoffs now. You guys got to elevate to that level that you were at all the damn time, even if luca has got the ball more now. Like, you, you guys, I get you're not as involved and I get all of that. I'm not going to say, oh, well, maybe Dallas was better off without Luca," because that's fucking preposterous. But... You, you need these guys now to step up at that high level that they were at. You need, even though he doesn't have the ball in his hand all the time, you need Brunson to play like he did. Not Maybe maybe not 41 or 31, but more than like 6. Like, let, let, let's get in the 25 range, hey? And Dinwiddie, make a shot before the third quarter, mayhaps. So... It was just that the role players took a step back for for Dallas, and a couple of them took a step up for Utah. Again, I still favor the Mavericks in this series. Boston taking on Brooklyn, and the story of this series continues to be Boston's defense on Brooklyn. And Bill Simmons was talking about it on his podcast. I think it is okay to invoke the, the names of the 2004 Detroit Pistons now. Only this team can score in ways that that Detroit Pistons team just was not capable of doing at all. Um... This is a couple Detroit Pistons references. I called Rudy Gobert basically Ben Wallace a couple of weeks ago, and now we got uh, the 0-4 Pistons. I loved that team. Anyway, not the point. The, the point being, this is a Boston Celtics team that is amongst the elite defending to the point where I almost feel like this could be a delineation point. When we look at the NBA, like we look at kind of the the, the big three era that you had with Boston transitioning to to, to Miami, um, I guess transitioning to, to Golden State, where you, you have that era. This could be a new one where I think there is going to be much more of a focus on defense when you see what Boston is able to do as these playoffs go along now they're the two seed they're going to get Milwaukee in the next round that is an interesting test to say the least and a series I cannot wait for and one that I'm always already having to plan on because I take notes and I like to change the colors of the pens based on the team and green versus green just doesn't work for me so I'm gonna have to figure that out but that's not your problem that's mine but for this Celtics team the defensive job they have done on Kevin Durant is the best we have ever seen on Kevin Durant in his 15 years in the NBA he is I've said it before, as my headphones just making some noise out of nowhere, uh, so that scared the hell out of me, but I'm going to leave all this in. Um, as I've said before, the aliens invade planet Earth. We have one one game to... to w- Space Jam, basically. You know, one, one game to save Earth. Kevin Durant is my first overall pick, and if I have one shot that needs to be made, Kevin Durant is taking that. Unless it's the Celtics defending him, because they have done exceptionally well, and... For Brooklyn now, this is the limitations of Steve Nash as a head coach because there has been a lot that he has had to deal with that I think he's done a pretty good job that his kind of calm, steadying demeanor has been able to get this team through with James Harden Kyrie Irving and now Ben Simmons who's not available for Game, game 4, which, oh, shocker. But now, there is a little bit more X's and O's that is needed and I think one thing, one thing we see a lot like, there, there are some basic X's and O's things that these coaches run, but, like, you, you look at the, the last play of that Utah-Dallas game, where it's, okay, um, Luca, figure it out. Like, there, there's a lot of that, there isn't a whole lot of X's and O's being done by some of these coaches. Some there are, and I'm sure there's more than I think, but... The Brooklyn now needs to figure out a way to get Kevin Durant going and you never would have thought that coming into the series or into any series that you need to figure out ways to help out Kevin Durant but right now, Kevin Durant needs Steve Nash to coach his ass off and, again, credit Boston, man. Like, Pritchard comes up with some huge buckets. Jalen Brown was a problem. And then it just, like, the, the dam burst at some point. And they just they couldn't come back from it. Minnesota-Memphis continues to be the series of the playoffs so far. Minnesota with a one-point victory. Karl-Anthony Towns stepped up in the second half. I was ready to rip the dude coming out of that series, uh, coming out of that game. Real quiet. Edwards was... Edwards was starting to take that step up. Edwards was starting to be like, hey guys, hop on, we got this. And Cat was like, well, at least let me help carry some of the load. And he did, and that was a, a huge development for Minnesota. One of the issues, like, they have a real tough time stopping Memphis when Memphis gets rolling. And part of it is, there's just a lot of dudes for Memphis who can get rolling, and that becomes a problem. But, um for Memphis to almost win this game with John Moran having a, a quiet, basically, entire game was really impressive, and the thing that Memphis didn't have last year was the shooting they have that now, Bain had one of the best shooting performances you will see the confidence that Brooks plays with when he is shooting or taking it to the rim same goes for, for Triple J, I, I love this Memphis team, but credit Minnesota because they, they had a big lead, they got punched in the mouth, and they were able to withstand it, and now it is a, a best of three series, again, I still like Memphis but credit Minnesota for the work that they have done Milwaukee against Chicago feels over Um, Chicago had the big game from DeMar DeRozan and everything felt right in the world but it's just that there's no answer for Giannis when Grayson Allen is hitting shots there's just there's no defending this Milwaukee team Uh, this series is over the next time they play in my opinion Golden State taking on Denver we we saw some of the role players for Denver uh, Denver start to step up a little bit this was a good Klay Thompson game Steph had some moments but uh, Jordan Poole didn't really have the, the same dominant game and then Late, some big shots being made by other players. Early, it was Bones Highland with some of the big shots. I love what Jokic did on that final play to to set up the the dagger three. First of all, great defense. I believe it was oh it was Rivers, sorry, who gets the denial and the steal so that Denver has a chance up two, I believe, to seal the game away. And then Jokic drives. As he is driving, the help comes in, so now Curry is in the role that I wanted Siakam to be in a couple of nights ago, or, when you think about it a little more, kind of the role I wanted Trent to be in a couple of nights ago, where he's... Gar- where... Um, I wanted him on both Green and Yang so that Siakam can come over and help on Embiid. You had Curry between, I believe it was Hyland and Barton, over on that far left side as the help came in off of Barton. So that the help comes in, you have Curry kind of cheat in the middle of them. Jokic, as he is driving, you have the one kind of free throw line extended and the one in the very bottom corner. We've talked about this a couple of times and specifically with Jokic, he, he's done this a few times. There, there's other guys who do it, obviously, no-look passes. It's it's not like these guys invented it. But he looks the coverage off. He looks back toward the guy at the, the free-throw line. Again, I think it was Highland. Um, he looks over at him. That gets Steph to take one step that way. And that's all the opening Jokic needs, because he's a goddamn robot. And he no-looks it into the corner. Barton, open three hits. It got Curry going just enough of the uh, way the wrong way that it was an opening for a pass and it was an opening for a shot and the closeout just wasn't quite there on Barton and he hits the dagger, keeping Denver's series alive. Jokic was excellent. They ask far too much of him to keep up in this series with all the weapons that Golden State can have. I I think this series is still over, but this is at least a good win to to shut up those who are going to be like, oh, this is the MVP of the league, huh? Miami against Atlanta... um, I feel bad repeating myself in this series, but again, this one also feels very much over. Atlanta can score, sure. They got a bunch of weapons, that helps out a lot. They just can't get the stop when they need to. Like, there's a couple of times, okay, Atlanta's battled back, they're they're down five, nine-nothing run for Miami. And it's like, they, they just don't have that stop that they desperately need to get all the time. And it just... Uh, a 3 nothing run turns into a 9 nothing run for Miami, and then it's too late. And it, it just, it happens all the time. Like, okay, Atlanta can match shot for shot, but Miami just keeps making the shots, even if Atlanta clangs one or two. And then this is still a young team, and it, it kind of snowballs on them. Bogdanovich continues to have a great series. Young, I continue to want a little bit more from, and I think this is a bit of an eye-opener. Like... Yes, this team got to the conference finals last year. They played a Knicks team that we're starting to see might have been a little fraudulent and took on a 76ers team that was just basically fighting itself and got to the conference finals. I'm not saying this is a bad Atlanta Hawks team. I'm not saying Trey Young is a bad NBA player, but I think they had a bit of an easier path to the conference finals than they anticipated. And I think this is a gigantic slap in the face because by the way, Milwaukee's doing the same thing to you. Um... Boston's doing the same thing to you. This version of the Philadelphia 76ers is probably doing the same thing to you. Toronto, I don't know if they can ma- I don't know if Toronto could match the offense of the Atlanta Hawks, but defensively, it would not be easy for Atlanta in this. Chicago would make life hell for Atlanta in, in this series. Brooklyn You want to try to match shot for shot with Brooklyn, with the way they play defense? No, like, again, this is what we're talking about. Boston is kind of setting that tone. And other teams play defense as well, but Boston just does it better than everyone. Um, Defense is so important now in this league. For a while it was, oh, just everyone shoots threes and we'll try to math our way out of this and try to volume our way out of this. That's not going to work now because you have teams. This is kind of what's happening in, in baseball a little bit with the Dodgers, where... For a while, it was Tampa Bay and it was Oakland and Toronto tried and then just gave up on it with the money ball. And okay, we're gonna, we're gonna analytics our way to this. And then the teams with all the money are like, oh, well, we're just going to, there's no luxury tax on how much we can spend on math guys. So we're just going to outspend you and outmath you and get the, the biggest, brightest brains in analytics. And we're going to be able to have the competitive edge that way as well. That It's kind of what's happened to Atlanta, where, okay, we're just kind of a bunch of guys who can shoot and score, and that's great. It's like, okay, well, now everyone in the East has a bunch of guys who can shoot and score. They can also defend, and your guys can't. So that's a problem. So I, I think Atlanta has an adjustment to make now coming up this offseason. Last one, Phoenix taking on New Orleans. Congratulations, New Orleans. Uh, that crowd was there last night. It was excellent to see. And Jonas Valanciunas has probably his biggest marquee game of his life, the, the first re- JV game that you can can really point to. It was an off-night for Chris Paul. A couple of the other death pieces step up. I want to do, probably after the first round, a series on a guy guys who have leveled up in this postseason. And I think Ingram is a guy who has leveled up this postseason, he, the shots that he is able to make, he's not Kevin Durant, I don't think he's ever going to be Kevin Durant, but it's Kevin Durant-esque, where it's just, when it's on, no one can defend him, because he's so tall, and he's so long, and he's so skilled, that it's just, it's tough to do anything with him, so, um, I kind of need to wrap this up, um, so I'm not going to go too much more in-depth on this, but there wasn't a whole lot to do. Like, Ingram was fantastic, he took a step up, JV had one of the best games of his life, and McCollum scored enough that New Orleans was able to pull away, and there just wasn't that real step up from anyone on Phoenix. Aiton had a good game, CP3 had a not great game, and with no Booker, they can't afford to have CP3 be anything other than great, like he was in uh, game 3 of this series. So that one is now all tied at 2 as well. Quickly on the Blue Jays, this is a hell of a series win against Houston. To get 2 out of 3 in a series where Stripling and Kikuchi were going, and to be a couple batters away from sweeping Houston, I, I am now, like, the governor is off on my expectations for the Blue Jays. And look, I'm the guy who picked him to win the World Series in his preview show, but there's always, as a Blue Jays fan, there's always a little bit of Hey, this team is great. Like, look at all this talent. How can we be stopped? 2006. Yeah, I know, but like, look at the young talent and look at all the superstars and the all 2013. Like, there's always that little voice in the back of my head that's like, hey, we've seen this a few times before. We're watch out for the Blue Jays. And it's like, okay, we're watching. We haven't seen anything. And oh, look at that. The team finished 80 and 82. Good thing we watched out for them. Glad we got them on ESPN a couple of Wednesdays in April. Um, this Blue Jays team is legit. That, that's a, a big series win against Boston, a big series win against Houston, and who knows what they're going to do now back at home against these two teams, but this Toronto team is showing that they deserve all the flowers that they had earlier in the year and also shout out to uh, Tyson Fury with an amazing fight we're going to talk a little bit more either this week or next a lot going on around here this week Um, so in the next couple of weeks about what a potential Fury Nganu fight could look like that's going to do it for the show like I said um, it's a busy day around here so I got a jet thank you guys for tuning in thank you to Clearwater Cleaning Solutions for being the studio sponsor for Couch Potato Diary spring into action with Clearwater Cleaning Solutions this spring and get 10% off your booking when you call 403 274 Four three nine nine eight, and mention spring promo. Uh, thank you guys so much. I will talk to y'all later this week. I'm out. See ya.